they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to Easter Tuesday. It's the octave of Easter. Jesus is risen. Mary, what are we? That's it. I was waiting for you to say that, my love. I want to thank all of our listeners. We're trying to uh, give you basic teachings on the Bible so that you will be prepared to leave planet Earth as a follower of Jesus Christ. Because last time I looked, nobody gets out alive. Mary Danielle, today's show, we're going to be talking to finishing up the Our Father, but also we're going to have something that I think is fascinating. Monsignor Charles Pope has two articles that I'm going to have people read, but I just think that it's it's so good the way he puts the scriptures together regarding the resurrection, especially when there are some people, even in our church, who question whether you know the resurrection really took place. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah, we talked about that, that... St. Paul said, if you don't believe in the resurrection, then everything is you know, useless. But this is what we're going to get to. But before we do that, Mary Danielle, the readings for Holy Mass, this is one of my favorite chapters, one of my favorite, but the Gospel of John is my favorite. But the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 11 to 18, that's the reading for today's Gospel, Mary Danielle. Could you, could you read that Gospel for us, please? Actually, do you have that in front of you? I do. I'll read it. Yes, my love. If you could read it, please. Yes, I, I usually do, and then I thought, well, I'm not being, I should offer my wife to read it, but I'll read it. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> okay, here it comes. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Mary Magdalene stayed outside the tomb weeping. Think about this. Now picture this when I read this gospel. As, and as she wept, she bent over into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting there, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken my Lord, and I don't know where they laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus there, but did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? She thought it was the gardener and said to him, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop holding on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them, I am going to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and then reported what he had told her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. What's going on here, Mary? 
Oh, I think we just lost her. She'll be coming right back. What What fascinates me about that, that Mr. I I, oh, there you are, Mary Danielle. What's going on in this I, here gospel? I am. Yeah, go right ahead. What's going on well, in this gospel? Mary's standing at the tomb, and it's interesting. This is I want to just start with Monsignor's actually Monsignor Pope's article on mm-hmm. the the chronological chronology of the resurrection yes, because that, that. this is one of the things what, that that some modern biblical scholars will use to say obviously the Gospel of John mm-hmm. is in contradiction to the Gospels of Matthew Mark because it says that very early in the morning a group of several women, including Mary Magdalene, approached the tomb to complete the burial custom on behalf of Jesus in Matthew 28, 1 and Mark 16, 1, and then even John 20, mm-hmm. verse 1. Right. But then it says later that Mary was lingering at the tomb, and she was weeping and fearful. And then she peers in and sees the angel, what we heard today. Mm-hmm. So isn't there a contradiction here? Well, no, there's not. Mary went to the tomb early in the morning to anoint the body. Um, the stone is rolled away. And they don't know where our Lord is. So Mary runs back to tell Peter and John, something's, something's up here. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like somebody's taken the body from the grave. I, I, somebody has taken his body. Yes. And um, so then he goes, Monsignor goes through this particular first ap- appearance. Because remember, at one point it, uh, we will be told by the either the evangelist or the New Testament writers, that mm. he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. Right. I believe it's in one of the Gospels. Right. And so the first appearance after the resurrection that is recorded in the Gospels is the appearance to Mary Magdalene. So um, the, the, the other women go off, and they tell the other apostles. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the apostles' women's stories. You know, women are always making these things. Women are always seeing visions. Mm-hmm. Women are always you know, mm-hmm. hyper and, and emotional, and we really can't trust them or whatever. Mm-hmm. So then Peter and John come to the tomb because Mary Magdalene had told them the Lord's body is missing. And Mary Magdalene went back with Peter and John. She follows them back. So Peter and John go. They see what's going on. John believes. And um, it doesn't say whether Peter believed or not, but it says that John believed. And then they leave, and Mary is staying there because Mary is still looking for her Lord. Are we still looking for our Lord? Are we still searching for the Lord? They've taken my Lord, and I do not know where they have put him. Mm -hmm. Are we still searching for him? Are we asking him to come into our life, to be the Lord of our life, to take away from us all our attachments to the world and the things of this world, and especially our attachment to sin and sinful behavior and self-indulgence that takes us away from him? And so Mary is there praying, and so then she, she sees the angels, and Woman, why are you weeping? Well, they've taken my Lord, and I don't know where they put him. I remember Bishop Sheen talked about that when they started moving the tabernacles yeah, from the center of the exactly. church. You know, he said, how many of us feel like Mary Magdalene on Easter Sunday morning? They've taken my Lord, and I do not know where they put him. Mm-hmm. And you go into a, a Catholic church, and it used to be, and it's supposed to be, according to the council documents, according to Vatican II, the tabernacle is supposed to be in, a, in the central place in the main body of the church where everybody can see our Lord, where, where he is residing. This is his house. Everybody can see where he's residing when they come into the church. That's Vatican II, yep. by the way. <laughs> you know, that he was moved off to the side and hidden somewhere. It had nothing to do with the council. And so Mary Magdalene, you know, she, she's searching for him. Are we searching for him? And so we walk into a church and we don't see him. And we're like, well, there's no sanctuary light. There's no, where's the tabernacle? You know, so you have to kind of look around and find the little chapel they've put him in or whatever. We'll do that. 
do that and then encourage your priest to put our Lord back in the center where he belongs. So Mary is there and she's praying and the angels say this and she, and then she notices that there's a man behind her and she doesn't, maybe doesn't look totally turned toward him because for the Jewish, you know, a, a Jewish woman to talk to a Jewish man who's a stranger. But she says, she supposes he's the gardener. And I remember years ago, Father Fessio made an interesting comment on this. He said, she supposed him to be the gardener. Well, isn't he the gardener? Mm -hmm. Who was it that created the Garden of Eden? (laughs) You know, and yes, the gardener of the soul also, but who created the Garden of Eden? Who created the first garden? Mm -hmm. Jesus, the the Lord did, the Lord God, Mm -hmm. the, the Word of God. He doesn't become Jesus Christ until he takes flesh in the womb of his mother. But the second person of the Blessed Trinity was there at the creation of the world. And so, yes, he's the gardener. Mary was right in her supposition. And she says, sir, if you have taken him, tell me where you laid him. Wow. And then Jesus calls her by name. How do we recognize Jesus? He calls us by name. Isn't that precious? Yep. The Lord knows us by name and he calls us by name. Amen. And then she turns to him and apparently she, she, grabs his feet, you know, falls at his feet and grabs him because he says, do not cling to me. (laughs) And this is the first appearance. And so Monsignor Pope does a lovely job here of taking these incidences from the gospel that happened, and um, he lists them out A through I. Mm -hmm. So it's almost 10 incidences that happen on Easter Sunday morning. And I love what he's doing there. We're not looking for contradictions in the scripture. And there are those modern scholars who say, well, the, the apostles never intended a synth- I mean, the, the evangelists never intended a synthesis. They didn't. They intended to give an honest account of the life of Christ. And the church teaches us, even in the Vatican II documents, that what is written in the Gospels is what Jesus really did and taught while living among men for the sake of their salvation. But that's not a limiting statement. It's not saying that the only things in there that he really did and taught are the things that apply to our salvation. It's saying everything he did was for the sake of our salvation. So the Gospels are a historical account. The Church also in Vatican II says she unhesitatingly affirms the historicity of the Gospel. So to me, to think with the mind of the Church, if you're a biblical scholar, you're not looking for contradictions. You're not looking for ways to prove that obviously we can't trust the Gospels. No, you're looking for ways of synthesis. To bring together, yeah, you have four different authors. They're looking at it from four different angles. Well, look at a diamond. I mean, limit yourself to looking at a diamond from one facet. Do you catch the beauty of the whole thing? Mm. How much do you miss by saying, I can only see this one, you know? Or like the the blind man who who examined the elephant, you know, and Mm -hmm. and what do they, you know, you get... You've heard that story, and, and, and what do you get? You get this picture of an elephant that says nothing to do with an elephant, because each one is telling what he, but that's not what's going on with the apostles. And it, it's, it's not, the church in the beginning never talked about the, the four gospels. They talked about the fourfold gospel. Mm-hmm. So from very beginning, the church understood, yes, this is, this is one account told from four different aspects. You're looking at the diamond from all of its facets. Well said, Mary. we got to take a quick break. When we come back, I've got some good news about a governor who's being pressured by Planned Parenthood. And listen to see, when you come back, you'll hear about what he said to Planned Parenthood. And I love it. And so will you. You're listening to The Bible with the Barbers. We'll be right back after a short break. 
Hi, this is Jesse Romero from the Terry and Jesse Show, also from Jesus 911. Let's face it, we all need to use the internet, but we need screen accountability. Why? Pornography is a huge problem, especially on the internet. And every time we tap into the internet, we get bombarded with images and temptations that degrade our humanity. So we need covenant eyes to block these pornographic sites and advertisements from infiltrating our lives. Covenant Eyes helps us take custody of our eyes and custody of our intellect. So I recommend you go to CovenantEyes.com and type in the promo code VMPR to support the network. Protect yourself and your family from the eminent threats on the internet. www.CovenantEyes.com code VMPR live porn free. Thank you for listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you. God bless you. Keep the faith. Finding the right doctor for your obstetric and gynecological needs can be difficult. Do you want a doctor with impeccable references and ethical practices? One who is trustworthy and well-researched? Dr. Aceta is that doctor. As a faithful Catholic in the Kern County community, Dr. Aceta provides expert care guided by his Catholic teachings, focusing on the patient's needs according to his own specialty. Call Dr. Aceta for all your obstetrics and gynecological needs at 661-595-5617. Again, 661 661- Five nine five five six one seven for quality care without compromise. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. As Matthew just said, if you have a question regarding the Scriptures, call us at 888-526-2151. Before we go back to the resurrection narratives that my wife has been talking about, I, I love good news because we're living in a world right now that's suffering uh, greatly. And Mary Danielle, you probably hadn't heard this because I just got this this morning or I would have told you yet last night. Alaska governor is defending the suspending of abortions uh, for the virus and uh, virus crisis. And Planned Parenthood is spending a lot of money and time to tell people that this governor, Governor Mike Dunleavy, is a bad governor because he's stopping the killing of unborn babies. And we can't vote for him. You know what I say? Just the opposite. Our listeners pray for the governor of New of Alaska, Mike Alaska. Dunleavy. You pray for him because he's standing up to in taking great heat from Planned Parenthood. And are you ready? From other state senators are coming and saying, you can't do this. You can't do it. You got to let the women kill their babies. And he says, nope. Not going to do it. So I just want to say kudos. I, I'm sure this man is a man of faith because he's standing up to a secular humanistic approach from Planned Parenthood saying that we need to kill the future citizens. And he's saying, not on my watch. So Mary Danielle, 
I just love hearing people stand up for what is right. You know, we always say our program isn't right versus left. It's right versus wrong. And what the governor of Alaska did was totally right, preserving life and defending life. So I just want to give him kudos. Mary Danielle, we were just before I gave that good news story on the break, you were sharing Monsignor Charles Pope, his chronological set of the scripture verses on the New Testament of the resurrection and pointing out the how they all fit. And you know what, Mary? The quotes you were giving uh, on the Word of God was re- taken right from Vatican II, and I'm sure a lot of people are going, Mary, that's what Vatican II said? I've never heard that before. Can I encourage everybody to read the documents themselves? Because so many people tell us, Mary, oh, uh, the spirit of Vatican II says X, Y, or Z, which it doesn't, and people get misled. And what you just did, Mary, <clears throat> is wasn't your... Mary Barber's personal opinion, you gave, you quoted directly from Vatican II. And I think we need to do more of that when it comes to Scripture. Amen. And we, yes, absolutely. And, and, and again, it's not, it's not about our personal opinion. Nope. As Catholic Scripture scholars, mm-hmm. it's not about coming up with some novelty or some personal opinion. Nope. It's about teaching what the Church has always taught. Amen. The Church was given a sacred deposit of faith. It is the the sacred trust of the Holy Father and the bishops, and the cardinals are part of the bishops, but they are supposed to safeguard the sacred deposit of faith. That's right. The deposit of faith are, is the truth that Jesus Christ himself revealed. And so, yeah, this is, you know, which is the Old Testament is part of that. Scriptures are part of the truth that God revealed to us. But the sacraments... And, and they don't change. Nope. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. He's unchanging. Oh, truth unchanged, unchanging. And so, yeah, we, we need to know what the council taught and not just go around saying, oh, well, the spirit of the council. Well, the spirit of the council is actually what the council taught, if you want the true spirit, because the spirit of the council is the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's right. And I've, I've heard a lot of people say a lot of things about what the Vatican Council II did, that it said, no, it didn't. It never did. Read the documents. The council never did that. Yep. And, um, you know, communion in the hand, altar girls, the um, taking the tabernacles out of the center, the removing of the altar rails, never. the reven- renovating, recovating of the churches, the, um, the whole scripture scholar of buying into modernism and, and saying that, oh, nowadays, now because of Vatican II, we accept all the errors of the, in the syllabus of errors that Pius X published against modernism. No, we don't. We don't accept modernism as a, as a valid histor- um, theological position. Mary, let me, ju- let me jump in because we have that on our, on our website for people to sign up and say, yeah, I, I buy into that uh, to say that you know, we're against modernism. But for the benefit of those who are scratching their heads saying, uh, what is modernism? Can you kind of give a little why the Holy Father came out and said modernism is you know, one of the worst things that happened in the Church. Can you give a definition of what modernism is? Well, uh, this is kind of simplistic, but what, what it does is it removes the supernatural. You got it. So anything in Scripture that appears to be supernatural, mm-hmm. let's do away with that and say that God can't really intervene in human history, and that actually, um, you know, God just kind of made us and left us to ourselves, and we have to kind of fend for ourselves and figure it out on our own. And God's not really guiding and directing all of history and all the events of history. And again, the Scriptures aren't really God's Word, it's just man's Word, 
and man's way of explaining different things that have taken place. Can I give a good example of this? Because we read it during Mass throughout the three-year cycle, where Jesus uh, had the multiplication of the fish and loaves to feed the 5,000. <laughs> yeah, that's an example. Uh, well, you go ahead, Mary, you give the example. And so what happened? There? What, what did the modernists well, say, and what does the supernatural the, yeah. say? The, the modernists say that, oh, well, this wasn't a miracle. This was just, these people had food with them. And what it was is that God, Jesus inspired these people to be generous. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because in the gospel it says, Jesus says to his apostles, these people have been with me for three days. They're going to be hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, in 30 AD, people didn't have thermoses. They didn't have refrigeration. <laughs> really? They didn't have lunch bags. Okay. You didn't have this possibility of carrying the food with you. When you traveled, you went, stopped at places along the way. You had places to buy food as you went because you didn't have this, the ability to store and keep food the way we do today. And so Jesus, it's, it's very clear that what's really happening there is a real bona fide miracle. Jesus takes, and there are two different miracles of the loaves and the fishes. One was for 5,000 men, one was for 4,000. But in one of them, he takes the, the five loaves and the two fish. He blesses them and has his apostles distribute them to the people. And when they're done, they gather up all the crumbs so that nothing will go to waste. And they gather up way more than what they had. And it's not because the people had food and were suddenly inspired to be generous. It's because Jesus really worked a miracle. And yes, he's God. He can really do this. And yes, God can really intervene in human history. I believe you, Mary. And you know what? I even hear our grandson saying something about it. So he's getting all fired up. Mary Danielle, yeah, he is. <laughs> I, I love it. Let me just say this, that when you quoted Vatican II, that what Jesus said and did was actually what he did. Uh, that is what he did with the multiplication of the loaves. So when you hear people say that it was the generosity of the people, that's not what the Catholic Church teaches. And that's a good example of modernism. And even to the point where some of the, they, they call it the Jesus movement of the 1970s, where they it had the audacity to say that the resurrection really didn't take place. This was just, you know, uh, kind of a, a, a an example of what we're hoping for or something like that, where they, they poo-poo the actual physical resurrection of Christ. And this is something that the church has been very clear and that has condemned people who say that. So when you're at church and you hear that, don't get all mad. What I would like you to do is pray for your pastor or your associate pastor who says these things, and then maybe even give them a suggestion to, to read, for example, the Ignatius Bible or the Catechism of the Catholic Church or Vatican II that really points out that, no, that's not what the Catholic Church teaches. But you do it with, with charity, never condemning, because if you tell the priest you're all wet— He's not going to accept that. But I think if you do it in a loving way, showing him, Father, you know, the catechism says this about uh, the Bible or the uh, not the, the, uh, the Bible says this, or the Vatican II documents say that. Mary, I'm going to let you take care of our grandson, Bo, right now, and I'm going to finish up this segment here. I just want to remind everybody, if you type in Monsignor Charles Pope, you can get these articles. And you know what? Not only the article we're dealing with, but Mary, one of the articles that Monsignor Charles Pope followed up with is why did Christ not stay continually with his disciples 
after the resurrection. Folks, this is the octave of Easter. This is the time to really study the topic of the resurrection of Christ. And I will give you one more resource. And this is from Dr. Scott Hahn, who taught us a lot, my wife and I. He did a three-hour recording of the resurrection. And he does a marvelous job showing how the early church understood the resurrection of Christ and how we should also. And I'll give that away if on an MP3 download. And they don't even know it upstairs, but they're going to know it now. If you want to get a copy of that, call 877-526-2151. They're going to send you the email with a little donation if you can. If you can't, I still want you to hear Dr. Hahn. It's three hours of teachings on the resurrection. Why am I pushing this? Mary Danielle, you know why I'm pushing it. Because if the resurrection is true, it's the game changer of, of life. In other words, we are going to follow Jesus Christ and he led the way by opening up the gates of hell and to open up heaven, excuse me, the gates of heaven and the, the, the people of the dead that were waiting for the gates of heaven to open up. He is The only reason we can get to heaven is because Jesus Christ died on the cross and resurrected, and we're going to follow his way. And that's why it's so important to get this right when it comes to the resurrection of Christ. Mary Danielle, if you're in a good position, I want to ask maybe we can shift gears, unless you want to continue a little bit more, or talk about uh, the Our Father petitions, because we've been doing that for three or four weeks. And for those who are brand new, you can listen to that on the podcast on virginmostpowerfulradio.org or on the app. And you can listen to all these shows. Mary Danielle, are you back with me? I'm back with you. I love it. After 31 <laughs> years, we're still together. I love it. Thank you, Jesus. Mary Danielle, Amen. did you want to finish up with a couple with a couple minutes we have left on the resurrection? Or what did you want to do now? I'm all ears. Well, and that's it. The resurrection is so important. It's so critical. Number one, mm-hmm. why would all the apostles have gone to their death exactly. for a lie? If the resurrection didn't really take place, because this is what they were killed for, yeah. for, for witnessing to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yep. And they all went to their death for it. None of them said, oh, it was just, we just made it up. It was just, no, they all died as witnesses to the resurrection. And Paul says, if Christ is not raised from the dead, then our faith is in vain. Amen. And we are the saddest of men. And Mary, so, because I- what. Go ahead. The resurrection tells us that death is not the end of the story. That's right. And we're not living for a finality in this world. We're living to get to heaven. Well said. And Mary, I just want to encourage our listeners to pick up Archbishop Fulton Sheen's priest retreat. First of all, have you listened to it? We'll send it to you through an email with a link of the audio files. And then give it to your pastor, your associate pastor. Give it to your bishop. You can give it away to anyone you want. Now, if you want to help us with the donation, because it does cost money to produce these things, then you can call 877-526-2151, or you can go online to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Another little promotion, please support us on Facebook and YouTube by following us and telling your friends about us, and this is how we spread the message with social media. When we come back, the Bible with the Barbers, we're going to continue with more teachings right from the Bible, which is right from the Catholic Church, because guess what? The church came from the, the Bible came from the church. We'll be right back with much more after a quick break. 
Attention VMPR listeners. We've talked at length about the attack on our youth through popular culture and media, but what if I told you there was someone trying to make a difference? The newest novel, Britfield and the Lost Crown, by C.R. Stewart, is reaching schools across America and sharing Christian morals alongside great storytelling. What if I told you that this mission needs your help? To reach more children, Britfield and the Lost Crown need funding for their ongoing book tour. If you're interested in making a difference, if you're interested in buying the book or are curious and want more information, go to BritfieldInstitute.org. That's B-R-I-T-F-I-E-L-D Institute.org. Or email media at Britfield.com. Help open up the world of Britfield and the Lost Crown to people everywhere. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And here's an easy way to support us by going to smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center or Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And when you log in your Amazon account and you purchase products, a portion of it will go right back in supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And it doesn't cost you a dime. I want to thank you ahead of time because that supports us year-round. May God bless Buying you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. It's the Bible with the Barbers with our grandson. I can hear the baby in my wife's arms while we're doing this show on the resurrection. Mary, I think it's very appropriate that our our grandson is there with you because he's hearing about the word of the God at the beginning of his life, and I hope that it sticks with him for life. Mary, we've been talking with Monsignor Charles Pope's article uh, regarding the resurrection, and people can just type his name in and get anything, any article that he's ever done by doing that, and he is just fantastic. And just to summarize, for those people who are just listening right now, who just came in, what is it that Monsignor did to help us understand the resurrection, Mary? Monsignor Pope, is he he puts the, um, he went through the Gospels, Mm -hmm. and this is, 30, 40 years, I think he said, of reflection and prayer on yep, the gospel. that's right. To try and figure out, I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard. When you read the, four, the fourfold gospel, um, the resurrection accounts, each one tells what he remembers or what he thought was important, mm-hmm. what he was inspired to, you know, to, to tell. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it, it looks like, well, gee, they look kind of contradictory. They look like, well, maybe this one is telling something that didn't really happen. Or, and so you have to try and to reconcile them. And then look for the chronological um, order in which they occurred. And that's what he does in this article. He, he searched for the 
most likely chronological order, and I think he did a very, very good job of it. All right. Mary, what about now, and again, he does another article about why did Christ not stay continually with his disciples after the resurrection. It would be another good article for Easter week because we're celebrating eight days of the octave of Easter to really read the article because it'll help you understand the significance of the resurrection. Are we ready to move on, Mary, to the Our Father petition, or do you want to continue with Monsignor? I'm all ears. Well, I, I want to go ahead and, and continue with the, the Deliver Us From Evil, the oh, Our Father Our Father. petition. Is, yep, finally. Mm-hmm. And, and I, think it, I think it ties in here to the resurrection. I think it's very important, because what is this? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Lord, it's the last petition to the Our Father, mm-hmm. Deliver Us From Evil, and we're crying out to the Lord for salvation. There's a general way in which, I mean, this is to deliver us from all evil. So I call upon you, for you will hear me, O God. Incline your ear toward me. Hear my word. Show your wonderful mercy, you who save from their foes those who take refuge at your right hand. Psalm 16, 6 and 7. Mm-hmm. And so God shows that it is trust and perseverance more than merit mm-hmm. that moves his heart. And he, in, in uh, Psalm 90, Verse 14, it says, Because he cleaved to me, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he has known my name. Mm. So, you know, in the Gospels, you have the example of the Syrophoenician woman. Right. Now, she's, she's a foreigner, and Jesus said it's not right to take the children and throw it to the dogs. Mm-hmm. And what does she say? Lord, even the dogs get to eat the scraps that fall from the master's table. Her trust, her perseverance. It wasn't necessary. She hadn't merited anything from the Lord, but nonetheless, she trusted that the Lord could do this, and he does it for her. He does it. Yep. And so St. Cyprian and St. Augustine both saw this petition as a general petition Mm -hmm. that we're asking to be delivered from, you know, all evil, from all adversities. Um, It's not just, just from... Um, a, a specific evil, but it, there's a general way in which this can be understood. And both St. Augustine and St. Cyprian attest to this. St. Cyprian says, after all these things, the, the preceding six petitions, in summation of the prayer, there comes a little clause, including all our petitions and prayers in compact brevity. For at the last we state, deliver us from evil, comprehending all adversities which the enemy undertakes against us in this world, from which there can be strong and faithful protection if God delivers us. Wow. If we, if as we pray and implore, he furnishes us his aid. And of course, that do we trust him to do that? Yeah. Okay, so we're asking to be delivered from evil in general, and and Augustine too said that that we're we're asking to be delivered from evil in general. It's not just um, so there's there's that universal sense, okay? But there is a more specific sense, and how do we know that? Well, Jesus at the Last Supper in his high priestly prayer prayed this: "Holy Father, keep in your name those whom you have given us." given me, that they may be one as we are. Mm -hmm. I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. John 17, 11 and 15. Mm -hmm. So the prayer is, we're, we're asking again, and Jesus goes on to say, 
no one is able to snatch anything from the hand of the Father. So Jesus prays that the Father will protect his followers, Jesus' followers, Mm -hmm. from the evil one. So when we pray, deliver us from evil, there's the literal sense of the text, the absolute literal sense of the text, is to deliver us from the evil one. Mm -hmm. In English, you know, we translate it, deliver us from evil, but the actual Greek means the evil one. It's a very specific, and the church teaches this and, and has taught this. So we want God to have mercy on us, and we want him to hear our cry, and we, we want to trust him, yes. that he will lift us up on a rock, and that he will give us rest, and he will be our refuge, and he will be our strong tower against the foe, and that we might dwell forever in his tabernacle Amen. and find refuge under the shelter of his wings. And you can look at Psalm 60 and <laughs> Psalm um, 16 and yeah. Psalm 35 and Psalm 52 and Psalm 90 to find those, those sentiments that we're asking of the Lord. You know, Mary, but what, we're asking. Yeah, I, I, I'm just I, I'm interrupting you for this reason. You're getting me excited about the Our Father in the prayer. And it also ties into our day right now when we can't go to confession. Many of us, our churches are closed right now. And this pair of powerful prayer of the Our Father is so liberating. But I also just want to take a minute to talk about a how we make an act of perfect contrition because this is taken from St. Maximilian Kolbe, and you and I are both Knights of the Immaculata. This was a letter that he wrote to his followers, and the purpose of the letter was to exhort his, his disciples to prepare themselves for the approaching feast day of the Blessed Mother, December 8th. But he also said, because of the war that was going on, he said this, whoever can should receive the sacrament of penance, right? Because not everybody could. Because, you know, there were prohibiting circumstances like us. He said this, that in mo- most people know that St. Maximilian told us that there are two types of contrition, perfect out of love of God and imperfect out of the fear of hell. Now, Catholic teachings distinguish a twofold hatred of sin. One, perfect contrition rises from the love of God who has been grievously offended and the other imperfect contrition arising principally from some other motive such as the loss of heaven, the fear of hell. Okay, that's taken right from the Council of Trent. However, in extraordinary circumstances, and we're living in them right now, everybody, where we cannot go to confession, we can make an act of perfect contrition, which is sufficient to have our sins forgiven. But remember, one who is conscious of mortal sin may not receive the Holy Eucharist without prior sacramental confession. The fact that we always make an act of perfect contrition in any circumstance at any time is very consoling and very important to remember, especially when we think of our troops who are in harm's way and they may not have a chaplain. Like we don't have a chaplain right now that can come and hear our confession. Actually, not only in extraordinary circumstances should we make acts of perfect contrition, we can do this at any time if we have the misfortune of committing mortal sin We should seek to be reconciled ourselves with God as soon as possible and by an act of perfect contrition and before we go to contrition. My final thought, Mary, is furthermore, not even being guilty of serious sin, you and I have said this, we should make frequent acts of perfect contrition to ask forgiveness for serious sins of the past 
and for venial sins of the present. In doing so, we will show our love for God and prove our aversion to sin, which offends him. In doing so, we surely will receive more abundant graces to sin no more. A highly recommended practice is to include an act of contrition before we go to bed. Mary Danielle and I, that's what we try to do, and that's why we're sharing that. And that just ties into that petition of the Our Father. Mary, when we come back from the break, let's continue to wrap up that petition because you've got some really good things from Father William Wagner from the Opus Angelorum to share with our listeners. Mary, I also want to recommend that we have our mental health conference coming up on the 25th on a Saturday of this month. The one we were going to do in our chapel, we couldn't do it because of this virus. So what are we going to do? We're going to act like it's a radio show. We're going to have the good doctor in the studio and we're going to have him in A studio. I'll be in B studio. And we're going to have him talk to people about mental health and the spiritual life and how the two intersect. And I'm excited that we can still have this on for free. You just get your app that you're listening to us on the Terry and Jesse app or no I mean Virgin Most Powerful app or go online to our website Virgin Most Powerful Radio this is a time where mental health is really being stretched because of the coronavirus and people having to stay at home and there's a lot of depression well Dr. Sandoval is going to help you overcome that depression with a free one-day conference on mental health here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We're not going to let the virus get in the way of giving you this information about how you can help your mental health and to live holy lives. That's what Dr. Sandoval will do for you. If you heard him on our Spiritual Warfare Conference last January, you'll want to hear it again because he's going to give some information on mental health that's out of this world. that You probably would spend thousands of dollars going to a, 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 a doctor for therapy, and he's going to bring it right here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, the 25th of April. You just tune in like it's a regular radio show, and we'll have it for you. And I just want to say we'll be back with much more with the Bible, with the Barbers, on the on the uh, Virgin Most Powerful Radio's network. Uh, we appreciate what you're doing for us by helping us support the teachings of the church. And as I say, life is short, eternity is forever. We'll be back with much more to inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus. In Luke 7, Jesus said, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven her, because she has been shown great love. According to St. John of the Cross, Christians should always remember that the value of their good works is not based on number and excellence. Their value is based on the love for God that prompts them to do the works. May we always be motivated by true love for God, and not worry so much about what we do, but why we do it.
does the baby move in your tummy? How does the baby eat? Can the baby hear me? How did the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions. But what's important is that a baby is a baby inside and out of the womb, not just after birth, but nine months before at conception. That's right. Every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kuharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keyword pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. I'm excited to hear about that Our Father petition, Mary Danielle, from Father... William Wagner's newsletter. Can we continue on with that now? Yes, we can. And, I, and again, I'd like to encourage people to go to the opusangelorum.org website. Mm-hmm. This was the circular letter, the Deliver Us from uh, Evil, was mm-hmm. the circular letter of Lent of 2001. Mm-hmm. And we had um, you know, talked about the other petitions in the Our Father. You can ask for, you can get copies of this. And there's also, Father William has done a CD set. But um, how are we delivered from evil? And again, what is this evil, the evil one specifically, but also from sin and from the fear of death? It says that in the book of Hebrews, it says the children had remained slaves all their life long through their fear of death, that Satan uses our fear of death to make us slaves. Does that sound like something we're going through right now? Yeah. Hmm. We're all living in fear. And it's interesting because with this whole virus thing, but the news isn't saying that this many people died. They're saying this virus killed this many people. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's sad because, you know, in our country today, there's still uh, about 3,000 induced surgical abortions, deliberate direct murders of innocent, defenseless little babies taking yeah. place yeah. every day. And no, their mothers don't choose this. No. The rhetoric of the, the pro-death uh, people is, is a lie. The, the devil was a liar and a murderer from the beginning, and so he lies to us. And um, women don't choose to kill their babies or have their babies killed by someone. Mm-hmm. They want to defend their babies, but they a lot of times they have difficult situations and they need help, and that's what they're looking for. Right. And they're, they're coerced. And again, watch watch Abby Johnson's movie, mm-hmm. Unplanned. And and how did she get these women to go ahead and have these abortions? She sold. It was high-pressure sales techniques. Yep. You give them one option and one option only. So how is it that we are delivered from our fear of death? And remember, Jesus didn't come to eradicate human suffering. He came to fill human suffering with his presence right. and to free us from sin 
and from the evil one, from Satan, and his being able to keep us in bondage through fear of death. So to free us from our fear of death, well, through God's grace, we're delivered from this evil. We're delivered from our fear of death through grace. So we ask God for the grace we need. If the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed, Jesus said in John eight thirty six. So sanctifying grace is God's life in us. And what happens if we allow ourselves to fall into mortal sin? And remember, mortal sin, first of all, it has to be serious matter. Second of all, we have to know it's serious matter. Third of all, we have to give full, free consent of our will. So if it's not serious matter, it's not a mortal sin. And by the way, any deliberate, contemptuous breaking of any of the Ten Commandments is serious matter. Notice I said deliberate, contemptuous. Mm -hmm. In other words, you're breaking them out of contempt for the law. Right. All right. But yeah, murder, fornication, adultery, uh, the sins against the Sixth and Ninth Commandment, the sins against the Fifth Commandment, these are serious moral evils, always, and in all circumstances. Sins against the first three commandments, when we put something else in our life in front of God, those are serious moral evils. Mm -hmm. So we want to know that it is sin that separates us from God. That's right. And in order for it to be a mortal sin, we have to choose it freely. And when we do that, we put ourselves out of God's grace and in danger of losing our souls for all eternity. God didn't make us for hell, and he didn't make hell for man. Right. Hell was created for the, the fallen angels. So we want to pray for the grace to be faithful to God. We want to pray that we don't collaborate with the angel. We want to pray to overcome our fear of death so that we recognize and realize, you know, Jesus died and rose from the dead to show us death is not the end of the story. Right. <laughs> We're made for heaven. And so we want to pray also for the grace of final perseverance. Well, final perseverance is a grace we cannot merit. We have to ask for it. You got it. Mary, let me jump in one more time with a Padre Peel quote. You know, you talk about the pandemic that we're facing. Well, back in 1918, 1919, they had the Spanish epidemic, the flu, that was killing a half a million people. And Padre Peel wrote a letter that I'm going to quote because I thought, wow, 100 years later, it applies for us today. He said there's five maximums that he gives in this letter and that this letter could apply to us today. He says, number one, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know in everything God works for good with those who love him. Number two, God is our father. You talked about that earlier in the show. Number three, Luke 22 to 35. Do you lack anything? See, trust. Number four, meditating on eternity. Life is short. Eternity is forever. And finally, Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. I glory myself only in the cross of my Jesus. And why do I bring these up, Mary? Because we want to bring, give people hope. This whole idea right now is fear that's going through our culture, Mary. You and I talked about this in the evening, you know, just recently, about this fear is, is driving people crazy, and they're just being paranoid about uh, life right now, and they're, they're stocking up, they're doing all kinds of odd things, they can't sleep at night, and really... I think that this is a time where we need to pray that our Father with the trust of the Father, 
that he will take care of our needs and that we have to place our trust to know that we are in the presence of God. Your final thoughts in the last four or five minutes, Mary? Well, just if I could tell a story that kind of illustrates where we find our help, God sends his angels. Mm -hmm. And um, in the Desert Fathers, and there were other monks who went out there, and there was one particular monk, Moses, and Moses was just, he's being terribly oppressed mm-hmm. by temptations against chastity. Okay. And, and so he finally goes, he goes back to, um, um, to, to oh, it was actually under uh, Isidore the Hermit. And he goes back to Isidore and he says, I can't do this anymore. I'm leaving. I can't take it anymore. So Isidore takes the monk Moses out and he says, look, look out there in one direction and and um, to, to the um, to the to the west, and and you see he sees all these demons who are making all this noise in this den, and then Moses says, "Okay, now look to the east." And so I mean, Isidore tells him, "Look to the east." And so then Moses looks to the east, and this is a true story about the Desert Fathers. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what happens is he sees the holy angels, and. St. Isidore, the, the hermit, tells him, those who are with us are far more than those who are against us. Yeah. Don't, don't fear the demons. They, they make a lot of noise and a lot of din. They cause a lot of confusion. They try and stir up fear. But don't worry about it. They can't do anything. We have an army that far outnumbers them, that's far more powerful than them, because the good angels fight with the power of God. And so they're in union with God. They're working in union with God in conjunction with God. And so the devil can't do anything to us that God doesn't allow. And if you want a good example in the Bible of how the angel works, read the book of Tobit. Mm-hmm. I think we've mentioned this before. Last week. And it's so beautiful. Yep. Yeah. You know, and, and do read it. And remember, God does send his angels to help us and to deliver us from evil and to help deliver us from the evil one, the demons. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so um, we want to remember that we have at our side a holy angel. Every one of us Absolutely. has a holy guardian angel at our side. Our angel is going to help us to stay in the state of grace, to be faithful to God. Yeah, Mary, let me jump in because I know you've got your plate full with our grandson. I, you know, the unemployment rate, I always say, is too high we need to implement the, for the guardian angels to put them to work. And I just want to just mention that that one of the keys of our life is living in the presence of God. And living in the presence of God has several benefits for our listeners. And Mary, I'm going to finish up right now with it preserves us from sin. It increases our faith. It strengthens our hope and it perfects our love. And it brings us closer to our guardian angel. Why am I bringing this up? Because right now we're at home. Many of us right now, we can't go to work or we're working from home. But St. Alphonsus Liguori, a doctor of the church, says there is no more efficacious means of subduing the passions, resisting temptations, and consequently avoiding sin than by the remembrance of the presence of God. And Bishop Sheen tells the story of a priest hearing a confession of a little boy who had stolen something. And he asked the boy, Did you not steal it when anybody was watching, did you? Of course not, Father, answered the little boy. The priest replied, But did you not know that God and your guardian angels are always watching? The child's eyes grew larger with new insights. Saints who earnestly strove for sanctity 
would bravely reject the temptation to sin by the mere thought that God was present. Mary, this is something we got to bring back into our culture, the presence of God. And that's what they're trying to throw out right now with this coronavirus that they're saying we got to get rid of the churches. We, you know, close them down and we have science for the answer and leave God out of the picture. But I just say this to our listeners right now, living in the presence of God, even at home where you can't make your visits to the Blessed Sacrament, call on that all through the day. Have little prayers during the day that keep you in tune with God because with God, all things are possible. And don't forget mental prayer right now is so important when you're at home. Your meditation prayer, your contemplation, your, your even your contrition, saying your act of contrition at night. All these things, we have to have holy habits. Mary, if you're still with us, you want to finish up with some good thoughts, please? Absolutely, and, and, and the act of contrition, you don't even have to wait till night. You know, it, there, there was a beautiful book, Monsignor Hugh Benson, A Child's Rule of Life. Oh, yeah. And in that book, it, it, he wrote in poetic form, and then um, it, it's really, if you can get Monsignor Hugh Benson's books, oh, they're great. Yeah. Any of them. But he would, he, you know, he would encourage the son, as you go through your day, live in the presence mm-hmm. of God, and then when you realize you've done something wrong, immediately say, I reject this. I, I do not want to sin. I, I throw the sin away, and Lord, I am sorry. So right away, as soon as we recognize that we've sinned, we need to say we're sorry. Amen. And well again, said. avoid avoid the near occasion of sin. We That's need to, it. and that our guardian angel wants to inspire us to do that. They will inspire us to read the scriptures, say our prayers, study our faith, read Amen. the catechism of the Catholic Church. I love it. You know? Yes. You know, yeah, absolutely. I if love you it. want to see that, you know, that I didn't make this up about the evil one, yeah. um, you know, read the catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraphs 2850, through 51, 52, and 54, where it tells us that the evil that we're being delivered from is the evil one. And God does that through grace, and he gives us his holy angels to help us, and we have a strong ally at our side. Wonderful. Holy guardian angel. Beautiful. And don't forget acts of spiritual communion. We have them on our website, Virgin Most Powerful, with the St. Patrick breastplate prayer and also psalm 91 thanks for joining us here with the bible with the barbers we're honored to have you come into our living room and have a bible study we'll do it again god willing next tuesday same time same station may god richly bless you and your family saint faustina's prayer for priests oh my jesus i beg thee on behalf of the whole church granted love and the light of thy spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great high priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.